In the previous episode, the 80-20 lifestyle, I mentioned that this 80-20 lifestyle led me into an encounter with the Father like I've never had before. And my prayer and my hope is that this testimony will inspire you and launch you and push you into wherever you need to be, into a space where you will get your own encounter with the love of the Father. It might not look like mine or sound like mine, but you'll know if you get it. And I hope that my prayer is that everyone will experience this before we leave this earth because it's satisfying. It satisfies something so deep within the core of who we are that it is just amazing. I was having some real honest reflection time about myself and why I have a default setting that I do, that I act a certain way that I do, and I'm not happy with it. And I was just asking God, like, why do I have this default setting in me and help me change? And what's up with it? Why is it? Why am I like this? And I went from having that honest question to switching gears out of nowhere, kind of. It kind of surprised me that I went from being honest and sincerely, like, desiring change to, well, I am still looking for a father. And I desire a spiritual father, a quality person who is smart, witty, secure, talented in his own right, someone who hears God for themselves. And I'm looking for a father. I'm still looking for a father. And out of my honest reflection of why I am the way I am, this reminder of I'm still looking for a father came up. And the Lord brought up a memory in my mind of myself and my dad planting a tree on this new property that my mom and dad had just bought. There were no trees yet or plants on it. It was just raw dirt in a house. And I just remember my dad and I in the yard planting this tree, which I can go to my dad's house today and still see the tree, which is pretty cool. It was this little tree and we were planting it together. And even though my dad was just doing it because it needed to be done, something about that memory always stuck with me. And he never said anything to me to make that special or memorable. And I don't even remember in the memory if he was looking at me while he's planting the tree or if I was just standing behind him watching him plant the tree. It wasn't like our hands were in there together and we're smiling at each other and having this moment. It was nothing like that. It was just this memory of something being done that needed to be done. And I was there and I kind of remember it from afar. Like I see a little girl and I see my dad. It's interesting because I don't remember it in the first person. It's more like every time I think of that moment, I think of it from outside the memory and I look into it. And for the first time, I started to see what happened in that moment and that God had preserved this memory in my mind because he wasn't finished with what he was showing me and what he was doing in me in that moment. And it was almost like I missed it. And he always held that memory. I don't have like a lot of very good quality memories. Like I don't remember things very well, but that is one memory that I have held on to. And I haven't, I was never close with my dad growing up. Um, And I become his friend now as an adult, but he wasn't really there as a father figure all through childhood. But I held on to this one memory for whatever reason. And I was just now seeing what it was. And as God took me back to that memory, I started to feel like the presence of the father within my dad. Like God used my dad's physical body 
as a temple and filled, infused his whole body with his living presence in that memory. And I, as I went back there, I was in the presence of the father who was using the body of my father, my biological father. And just being near was enough. Every deep moment in this memory I was seeing was Father God. Every part that made this memory vivid, it was because it was full of the Father. And as my dad was planting the tree in this memory, I started to see how it was actually Yahweh, like planting in me, my destiny. As he did this, he planted in me who I will be, who I am, what I will do. He was planting it in this island, which I still live on. What that means, I still don't know the level of what that means. But he planted like my life scroll in that moment as I watched. And he knew what he was doing. And even though my, my earthly father didn't make this a special moment, Father God took advantage of this moment. And he had a lot to say to me that wasn't said um, by my earthly father. And everything from beginning to end, it was just like so incredible that just being in the presence, because he didn't actually speak to me in that moment. Just like my, my earthly father didn't have verbal words for me, neither did Father God. But being in his presence... I fully knew what was happening and I fully knew how deep this moment was and how beautiful it was, how much he loved me, how much he had for me in, in my life, in my destiny, in why I am the way I am. He knows me. He was planting me. And I just sat there just getting rocked to the core in a way that I've never experienced before. And I can barely squeak out the words to explain it. But what I'm coming to realize is that I feel for all of us that there are moments in our life when we might have missed what God was doing and he allows our memories to preserve those things and then we can go back because if they're memories like this like it it holds up space in my brain and for some reason I realize now is that because God wasn't done with what he was doing in that moment and things that happen in eternity can always be return to because they're still happening in a sense they happen they're happening they are happening they've happened it's it's in a place outside of our time so with this moment of my biological father planting a tree with me my dad missed out maybe on an opportunity to have that father-daughter connection that the lord was offering to my dad to do his part in and he didn't realize it or see it and god said well I knew what could have happened there and I'm not done with that. So I'm going to go back to that when she's ready. And that was something that I feel is just a purpose of why we have and hold on to those random memories that aren't necessarily traumatic or radically like enjoyable, but there's just something there. There's something there. And I feel it could be a, a thing that the Lord preserves in us so that we can go back because there was something divine in that moment that maybe our spirits missed and we didn't have eyes or ears to hear. So just check 
your memory bank. And if you have those memories, you can bring it before the Lord and say, this is like something I've always remembered and I don't know why. Can you tell me why or show me why? And maybe he, it was a moment that was done in eternity that you can go back to and glean lessons or in my case, love that I had missed out on that the Lord was still in his perfect timing of surrounding time is always offering to me. In that moment of this encounter, every longing in me for a father was satisfied. It was silenced. And he started speaking to my heart and revealing to me that I could have gone my whole life looking for a father. And he was asking me, who is it that needs a father? And I realized like, well, children need a father. And then he would ask me, are you a child? And I'm like, no, I'm a 43-year-old lady. <laughs> and he's like, exactly. Children need fathers. You don't need a father. And in, it sounds insensitive, but this is, it makes sense to me. And maybe he can speak to me like this and me not get offended. But he was like, you are a grown woman. You do not need a father. Do you realize that? It's like he satisfied the five-year-old who needed a father in that moment with his presence and he imparted to me through however he does just sitting in his presence of the father through my father's body i absorbed everything i needed where it's like i don't need a father anymore and once that was taken care of then he could talk to me directly and be like because you're satisfied as a five-year-old girl with the father in that memory now I can talk to you where we are right now. You're a 43-year-old woman. You don't need a father. And I was like, I got it. You're right. Because if you think about it, orphans don't have a mom and dad. And if you're in an orphanage and you turn 18, you're no longer considered an orphan. And I was just seeing how I was walking around town this whole time with this thing in my heart that I still am looking for a father. Like I would even say it and we all say it and we, we, we know what we mean when we say it, but God was just kind of getting to the core of it where actually it's children that need fathers. Children need a father. Children have mothers, but you are no longer a child. You are a woman. And for you to walk around town calling yourself an orphan when you clearly have been adopted into a new family, into a new bloodline. I know that. I'm a believer in Christ. I've come into the family of God. I know that, but I was still acting like an orphan, speaking out and feeling that, you know, I still am longing for a father, God. You know this about me. And him satisfying what really is true. I was longing, but what was longing in me was my five-year-old girl longing for a father, because that was a child that needed a father. And that's how I think that we can experience the father's love when we missed out on that as children. And we're now adults because we're technically not even, I don't think we're allowed to say we're orphans when we're over 18. Once you're 18, you're just on your own. And I don't think you qualify for an orphan. I don't think you could enroll to an orphanage and say, I don't have a mom and dad at that point, right? So the father will satisfy what we missed out on. Time doesn't matter to God. He will go back in time and love you like a father if that is what you need. And he knew I needed that. And that's why I know that memory triggered me back to that point to bring me into that moment of that place where maybe God knew that in my five-year-old mind, I was waiting for my dad to look at me, to say something to me, 
to acknowledge me, to speak life into me in that moment. And God saw that my dad missed that moment. And that was not okay with God. And God had to let me grow up knowing it was that moment. Maybe I'm just speculating. Maybe in that moment, it changed something in me that left that feeling of brokenness or not having a father. And God knew that I'm going to have to live that out because your, your earthly father didn't do what he was designed to do in that moment. And he missed it. And sorry, you're going to have to walk this out, but sorry, not sorry, because I surround all time and I can go back and redeem that moment. And for whatever reason, I don't know how it all adds up and we don't understand God's timing. But if we can try not to understand God's timing and just remember that God is good, that no matter what we missed out on and what happened through our childhood, God is so able to just go back to that moment and redeem the the things that are eternal in that moment. And it's not that he is changing, like that that part of my life did happen and it didn't change anything really in anything outside of my heart. It changed my heart is what it did. Taking me back to that moment, satisfied something and silenced this thing in me that says, well, you know, I am like this because I am looking for a father. And it was like, like, it's so sad to hear that voice in my head again, because it was like, I didn't even know that was my voice, but that was something in me. And God knew that when I was really ready to deal with that and to go there, that he would take me there. And it was in that moment where I was really like, God, what is up with this? Why is this my default setting? And I must have been more honest than I've ever been or more ready to to go there and to receive what God had for me in that moment. And it really changed everything. And I feel that there are many in the body of Christ who walk around acting like they're orphans still, even though we believe we've been adopted into the family of God, there's still something within us that makes us feel like we need a father. And I feel that now is the time for all of us to mature, to not be stunted. Like I can see how I have been stunted in my spiritual growth because I had that thing in me that still needed a father and I wasn't able to move past that. And I'm seeing now that, man, like I am not a child and everything that I want in a father slash mother, you could say, I am now need to become for people who really are children. It is time like I need to turn this around and the father touching my heart and satisfying that in me opened up my eyes to the reality that no, there are other children who are really children who are under 18 minors. They are children who need fathers and mothers and everything you wrote out, I need to start trying to become for them and I need to become a mother slash father figure for real children who need me. And I have real real children in my home who need me and I need to step up. So it was kind of like God satisfied that in me and my eyes were open to see that we all need a father, but the people who really need fathers are children. And if we continue as adults roaming around this earth, especially quote Christian adults roaming around this earth as orphans looking for a father, I was struck with the fear of God when I had this understanding that if we are roaming around looking for a father, 
and Jesus shows up as the bridegroom, we, even as believers, might not get it. We might miss it. And I was undone, okay? So God was pointing out to me, you're no longer a child. You are a woman, and women get married. And I know if you're a man listening to this, just take it for what it is where the church is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. But for me, he was pointing out to me, like, you are indeed a woman and women get ready for marriage and you don't need a father, you need a husband. And if you're walking around town looking for a father and I bring you a husband, you will not be able to recognize it. And I was literally on, if you can zoom out with me on the larger scale of what that means, it's pretty radical because yeah, we could be caught easily like the Jews were when Jesus came on the scene. They were looking for a freedom fighter, a political hero, a warrior. And Jesus literally came as the opposite of what they wanted. They did not want a Messiah that would go to the cross. They did not want that. They wanted someone to come in like David on steroids who would just come through and set the kingdom straight and and be a warrior and be a fighter. And Jesus did exactly everything opposite of what these people were looking for and they missed him. They missed him. The ones that didn't believe, they didn't recognize their Messiah. They missed him. And I was just undone realizing that this is what's happening right now in my lifetime. That if I go around town looking for a father broken in this place of, oh, I just need a father. I want a father. I want a father. That when Jesus shows up, I might not be able to receive him because he doesn't look like a father to me. And I'm just more and more realizing like it's time that I stop. I need to. I need to stop acting like an orphan and I need to be like a bride waiting for her bridegroom. And I know if you're a male, it seems weird to use that language. And I think that's even more of a reason why there's all kinds of confusion about gender, transgender, this and that. It makes the bride and the bridegroom and all that stuff, it can get twisted and perverted. And you might feel weird thinking that way when you know what's going on in the world about being this way and that way, trans, male, female, whatever. And that I think is just an attack of the enemy. So for what it's worth, I'll just put it out there. Just try to put aside what the world has tried to twist and pervert. And let's just try to glean what God was getting after when he was talking about the church being a bride and Jesus being the bridegroom and Jesus being a male, but coming back for a bride that also includes males because the church is male and female. And it's it's deep, it's spiritual, it's not a physical thing and it's not a perverted thing but I just want to mention that because even I was like kind of having a hard time absorbing the bride and bridegroom thing things on behalf of men I was like I can read this and it makes sense but like I I could get how men could be like no like I I don't really understand that and I don't understand what he means so I'm just not gonna receive it or pay attention to it but for what it's worth, put yourself in the shoes of the bride <laughs> without feeling weird or perverted or having a weird issue with it. But 
it is. It's there are 10 virgins and just make it a heart issue. It's like there are 10 people and so many of them went out with empty lamps and some of the people went out with full lamps of oil to wait in the dark for their for their bridegroom or for their mate. You know, you don't have to use the language if it bothers your mind, but it's the heart issue. It's like, am I going to be one that's looking for a father, which male and female, we can both want a father equally. Um, but are we going to be looking for our Messiah? Are we going out with full lamps, with oil, so that when he approaches us, we can hold up that light to recognize his face? Or are we going to be with empty lamps and not ready and have to run back and go get oil when he shows up and miss out? And that's the, that's the whole thing of this is that I want my heart in a place where I am ready for the way that God is going to show up. And if I'm still looking for a father and he tells us in his word, he is coming back as a bridegroom, then I need to be a bride ready, waiting for my bridegroom and not be looking for a father. The craziest part about encountering the father's love was this longing in me thought that once I found this father and once I encountered a father or the father's love in this moment, I, I would think that I would never want to leave this place, that I would just want to sit in this place forever because for the first time in my life, I felt Psalm 23 and come alive where it was the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And that want in me for a father was so satisfied in silence that I literally, I didn't want a father anymore because I didn't need a father anymore because I have a father and sitting in this place I was just like oh, I will never want to leave this place you would think like that would be what you would assume you encounter the father's love and it's like heaven on earth and I don't want to leave and this didn't last like hours and hours and hours for me this was pretty quick and it satisfied something in me pretty quick and I was kind of like oh that's that's over that's it and it was like, well, it's not over in the sense that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you. And it was just like all these scriptures that I've read and heard over time. It's like, wow, yeah, okay. And the crazy part is, as much as I would think I would never want to leave this place that I've longed for my whole life, the more I stayed, the more I felt like God pushing me back into the world, which seems ridiculous. It's like, if your father loves you, wouldn't he hug you and hold you forever? All I was feeling was two hands on my back and being pushed away almost. And again, I didn't get offended. It seems offensive to push someone away that you've been longing for your whole life. But God is so kind and the way he works is just beyond. And all I know is that I was so satisfied with this love that he just imparted and gave to me. And he just literally sealed up this open wound or thing in me. He filled that hole up and it was closed. And he was pushing me away from him. And I was just like, what is going on? What? This is God pushing me away from him? <laughs> like, what the heck is going on? This is a great contradiction if you think about it. Because the more I absorb the love and the more I absorb his presence the more it makes me stronger to leave that place, which is crazy. The more I spend time in this place absorbing the love of the Father that I've wanted my whole life, the more I'm empowered 
to leave? What the heck? That doesn't make sense. But I started understanding that that's why Jesus could leave the Father. Because it seems like the more in union you are, the easier it is to leave. You might be leaving a physical space, but the reality is that the union is deeper than the space reveals. And the union is eternal. And this is why the word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Space might be making me feel alone or lonely, but the reality is that God is with me. It is my understanding of this that changes not my place in space, but the anchor of my soul. And once I have an understanding where I can really perceive with my mind through experience, then will I be able to leave the Father and go wherever he leads me, even if it looks like it leads me to death on the cross. And that is why Jesus could leave the Father. I am tripping out because the more I set into the Father's presence as a little girl, the more he assures me I don't need to stay here. He is so secure in himself. His love is pushing me onward and forward, out away from the need of a father. You don't need me because you have me. And in me, you shall not want. And this is just blasting me. This is truth that I'm believing and receiving. This is a revolutionary mindset to, to my mind at this moment of needing a father. And he's just setting it all straight, setting it in order. And I'm just tripping out because it's not the way you think it would be. This little girl needs a father. Come in here. I'm going to hold you forever. I'm going to keep you as mine. And the reality of the love of God and the love of the father is that his love is so secure that he is pushing me out away knowing that I'm going to be okay, that I'm not going to go chase other lovers. He is secure in himself. He is secure in his love. He doesn't feel the need to keep me all to himself. And feeling that feeling was amazing. A secure love that is not loving because it's expecting anything in return and not loving because they don't want anyone else to love you. It's beautiful. Okay, and just the cherry on top of this whole story is just crazy to me because the memory I have with my dad planting a tree at five years old was brought back to me. It's brought back to me time again over the years, and it was recently brought back when I was planting a tree with my real husband. And in real life, not real husband as in a fake husband, but um, in real time, my current husband, my only husband, <laughs> just to set the record straight. Um, but I'm planting a tree in a new property that we got, and I'm having this moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I had, I did this with my dad, and I was looking at my husband going, you're such a good father, you're a good father to my kids, and I'm really getting ministered to as a child in, in this setting where I was really looking at, God, you are so good giving me this husband to do this thing that I did with my dad, and to love me like a father and to plant this tree together. And he is a good father. He's a good father to my kids. And you're a good father to me, God. And I just thank you that you're you're giving me this moment again to plant this tree. And all I was about was the father. I was about, I saw my husband as a father. I saw 
God as a father in my husband. And I just was, I was really touched. I mean, I think I even cried and I was reliving my childhood of not having my father and just being grateful to God that you gave me this moment back, planting a tree in this new property. We're doing it together. And you, I remember that memory. You remember that memory when I was five and how I loved that moment. And I get it again. So thank you, God. But all of that to say that after God touched my heart, as a father, through my memory, having that encounter, absorbing his presence and being transformed by just being in his presence, literally being near, transformed me and silenced the need of a father. It was like I had scales lifted off my eyes and then God brought me back to that memory where I was planting the tree with my husband and he was like, remember that? You were planting your tree with your husband but you were still needing a father in that moment and you were missing what was in front of you, which was the husband I gave you. And I was like, what? And he's like, go back and look at your list of everything you want in a mentor, in a father, in this and that. And funny, witty, talented in his own right. Here's from God on his own, all of that good stuff. And I was like, it was like scales on my eyes being lifted off that because I had this cry and whine and need of a father deep, deep, deep inside, I was unable to see the husband that God put in front of my face. And God was assuring me in that moment, it's like husbands can do what the father does. Husbands can plant trees too. See, remember when you planted that tree with, with your husband? That was your husband planting the tree with you. What you, were, you got what you were looking for. It's funny. We see what we want to see. I wanted to see a father in that moment, but it was my husband that was planting this tree. I wanted a father in that moment, and I missed out on being able to appreciate and see my husband in that moment. And that is the core of what this encounter speaks volumes to me about is us and Jesus, the bridegroom, that if we are living in a broken place or with brokenness, about not having a father, that when Jesus comes as a husband, we will not be able to see all of our longings of what we want God to be to us, what we think we need, all of this stuff that if it is not satisfied and we're still living in the past in a sense of being five years old and needing a father and not allowing God to touch those places. And I'll tell you, I didn't know how to get to that place and I didn't know how how much that affected me but in the perfect time God brought that up and it's not something I don't think you can force it but if you just listen to this and you have an inkling that there might be something that you've preserved in your mind that you could go back to then you might want to just bring that up before the Lord and see if there's a way into what he wants to do in you but I believe like I've been stunted in as a five-year-old needing a father for years now. And God, in his goodness and in his grace, he keeps us moving forward and we do life, we live life. And I'm pursuing my walk with the Lord as I know how to the best I can. And that's all good. But in reality, it's kind of, you know, common knowledge that times are getting crazier and it seems like the closing of this age is getting narrower. And there's things in us that God will do what could take a lifetime of therapy. I believe that God can do in a moment because he is getting his bride ready. And 
I had to just go upstairs and repent to my husband and be honest about, I have not seen you for who you are. Like God gave you to me. We've been married a long time, almost 24 years now. And I have missed out on a lot of what God gave me in you because I was blinded by the need of a father that was deep down. Like it didn't, I didn't live my life every day. Like I need a father. I need a father. It was just, just part of me that kind of set up who I am and how I do things and why I act the way I act. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect now, but I'm one step better and closer to being what I want to be and being able to prepare my heart for for Jesus, basically, which is my biggest heart's desire is to be ready, to be found waiting and watching, to be able to fulfill my life's destiny and to do all the things that I was purposed and intended to do. And having that part of me sealed up and silenced is really what it was. It was like God just came in and silenced that need. And I can say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I have no want in that area of my life. It's like, it's so weird to say that and to feel that and then to feel the love and then to feel being pushed away into the world. The more I stay in that love, the more I'm empowered to leave that love because I understand now that I am one with this love and this love actually never leaves me. Even though I leave that place, the union and the oneness is so deep that I can walk into the world. And then I realize again, that's why Jesus could leave his heavenly place and come into the earth and be so confident and empowered to walk it out even unto death. It's because this love is like no love that we have ever experienced. There's no way to make sense of it because our love would be like, I love you, stay. And God's love is like, I love you so much. You get so strong in my love, you can leave. And even if you leave my love, you're not alone because I'm with you because we're one. And it's just, (laughs) I think I just need to stop because I could go on and on. But my prayer is for you guys to all have your love encounter so that you can move on in what you want to do, what you feel God's calling you to do and to be. And that as you know, believers and as Christians that we are able to really function not as orphans because if a lot of us who are churchgoers, even though I'm not a churchgoer, (laughs) but a lot of people who frequent the church building, if they are orphans when they go in that place and they come to know the Lord and they still are acting like orphans or believing they're orphans, that is when people on the pulpit and worship leaders and people in higher you know, authority and the ranking of just leaders and mentors and real teachers, like they can have influence over your life. And I feel like if all of us were settled in our heart of not needing a father and encountering the father, then we won't be subject to being swayed by charisma, by their teaching skill, by their talents, whatever it is, people just on the stage, they won't have as much influence or power over people because The people that they're talking to are so secure in themselves and in the love that God has already given them that they don't need to be getting ministry every second and needing this and needing that and needing attention because really we'd all just be going there for community, for fellowship, and to encourage one another. Like I'd be more concerned about encouraging you than needing you. And I just think that's a healthy and vibrant place that maybe I would even want to go to if church was like that. 
So I hope you're encouraged knowing that if God can do this in me, he can do it in you. It's not as scary as you might think. It's not full of shame or hurtful. He does. He is a pure love, a love like we've never known before. So I will say, do not run from it. If he comes to pursue you, go with it. He is the most kind love ever. And it doesn't make sense because the dysfunctional love we know makes an encounter like this sound scary that I don't think I could handle the love of the father. But it's actually like a love that we've never encountered here on earth. And it is a love that empowers you. It's a love that builds you up. It's a love that strengthens you to the point where you have confidence to leave this love and the love lets you leave. The love wants you to leave. It's very strange, but just know, don't be afraid of it. If God knocks on your door, wakes you up at night, brings back memories, and you feel that he's wooing you, go for the ride. It is worth it. Thanks for listening.